Hello everybody. It's Kevin Markwick here again on a Monday night on Uckfield FM, no less. Was that DJ enough for you? Bait. And I've got an hour of rather gloriously lovely uh, film music for you. As I have been doing for the last few weeks. And this evening's theme is... Trains. Uh, Not model trains. Real trains. Trains, uh, films where they've got trains in them. Films where the central plot is set on a train. All manner of train shenanigans. And we've got some good stuff too, of course. Uh, Music from the Taking of Panem 123. Darjeeling Limited. Girl on the Train. Back to the Future Part 3. And even Murder on the Orient Express. As well as one or two others thrown in for good measure. I hope you enjoy it. So we're going to start with something from... Classic Ealing, actually. Back in 1953. When I wasn't even a glint in my father's eye. So sit back, loosen your bullets, and enjoy our train-based entertainment. This from the Titfield Thunderbolt.
The Triumph of the Thunderbolt and Finale from the 1953 Ealing comedy The Tipville Thunderbolt, funnily enough. Uh, the music was by uh, Georges Ulrich, a French composer, actually, of ballets and concertos and a member of uh, what was known as Les Six, a group of artists that included Jean, Co- Jean Cocteau and Eric Satie, no less. Um, he would score many films for Ealing, actually, including Dead of Night, Passport to Pimlico and The Lavender Hill Mob, probably the three most famous Ealing there, almost, <laughs> maybe. Uh, the titular Titfield is a small village whose branch line is being closed. So in typical Ealing style, the locals take it upon themselves to bring the old steam loco Thunderbolt out of mothballs and stick it to the man in that gentle style those comedies had. It was directed by the great Charles Crichton and starred a plethora of the usual suspects, including Stanley Holloway, Hugh Griffiths and even Sid James. Now, the next stop on our journey takes us underground to the New York subway in 1974, the taking of Pelham 123. Joseph Sargent directed. He'd previously been a small part actor in various films like uh, From Here to Eternity. And although he would go on to direct a number of films, including Jaws the Revenge, mm -hmm, this film was certainly his high point featuring a hijacked subway train and a dogged transport cop played by the marvellously rumpled Walter Matthau. It remains a classic example of 1970s New York cinema, and the score was by David Shire. David Shire's muscular theme from the taking of Pelham 123 in 1974, no less. 
Uh, it was remade in 2009 by Tony Scott, but that film had none of the original's hard edge and was a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing, um, like most of Tony Scott's films, really. Sorry, sorry, everybody. Uh, you're listening to Kevin Markwick on Uckfield FM, and we're playing music from films and uh, music from scenes that feature trains. Uh, so if you've got any comments, do let me know at Kevin Markwick on Twitter, or you can find our Facebook page on um, on Facebook, really, I suppose. Um, it's a bit old and warty, but it's still alive, and it would be great to hear from you, uh, what you're doing out there on a Monday night, listening to this old idiot going on. Uh, the train now uh, features heavily in Billy Wilder's classic 1959 comedy, Some Like It Hot. You know the plot. Band members Joe and Jerry accidentally witness the St. Valentine's Day massacre, so they decide to escape by joining an all-ladies band, Sweet Sue and her society syncopators, uh, on its way to Miami to do some gigs down there and what have you. But the tricky bit being they must pose as women. Uh, now, the train scenes are among the most hilarious, particularly Jack Lemon finding it difficult to remain in character as a party breaks out among the young girls in their pyjamas. I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. Oh, I wish I were dead. Marilyn Monroe is perfectly cast as the big-hearted mess, Sugar Cane. Here she is rehearsing on the train with the band as Lemon and Curtis watch in awe. <laughs> Running wild, lost control. Running wild, mighty bold. Feeling gay, reckless too. Can't remind all the time, never blue. Always going, don't know where. Always showing, I don't care. Don't love nobody. It's not worthwhile. Running Wild, sung by Marilyn Monroe from Some Like It Hot in 1959. Last stop before the break and a chance to take on water, or perhaps the reverse, is from Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible in 1996. Trains often form the basis of set pieces in movies. Think of uh, the start of Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, for instance. And in 1996, the Eurostar was still spangly and new, and the novelty of tra traversing the channel by train was still a pretty groovy idea. So what better location for all-action hero Ethan Hunt to run around like a mad thing on top of the Eurostar? The Mission Impossible franchise is rare in that the films have generally improved as they've gone on, although always straining the bounds of credibility, of course, first one was not bad. The second one was howlingly awful. Oh, my goodness, it was terrible. John Woo, wasn't it? Oh, flying doves, leading, diving sideways, with firing two, oh, two guns. It was horrible. Uh, and they took a while to recover. In fact, they're, um, they're huge now, and they have got a lot better. And the latest instalment is actually being filmed, or they're, they're filming two back-to-back, -back, apparently, 
which I'll probably need to do to keep up with the shortage of films is going to be after this lot. Anyway, here is the part of Danny Elfman's score that accompanies the shenanigans as Ethan Hunt fights the rogue Jim Phelps, played by John Voight, atop the speeding Eurostar.
Kevin Markwick. You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone!
Power Man by The Kinks, as used in Wes Anderson's train-based tale, The Darjeeling Limited, in 2007. Uh, one of the three songs, actually, uh, used in the film by The Kinks. That was a film set almost entirely on a train, I believe, and had all the usual suspects in it that you would see in a Wes Anderson film, from Bill Murray to... Owen Wilson to everybody else, really. Uh, and it was it was OK. I don't think it's classic Wes Anderson, but uh, it's no um, Budapest Hotel. But nevertheless, better than Steve Sisu. So it's Kevin Markwick here. It's Monday night. It's Uckfield FM. And we've got a train based theme for you this evening in our hour of film music, which I hope you're enjoying. Do let me know at Kevin Markwick on Twitter. You can go to the Facebook page, tell the studio Storm the barricades and tell them to stop, please, if that's the way you feel. Now, Duncan Jones' first feature, Moon, made quite a splash with its low-budget intelligent sensibility, so he got lots more money for his next project, Source Code, a sci-fi action thriller with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michelle Monaghan. Um, it's one of those, you know, um, those films you're never quite sure what's in the character's head, and what's real? Is any of it real? Is he real? I don't know whether I'm coming or going. And it sort of veers all over the place to a not, I didn't think, entirely satisfactory conclusion, although it was generally well received by the critics and pretty well received by the audience. It made a ton of money. So what the blinking hell do I know? Um, the whole story uh, unfolds in a series of flashbacks or flash forwards or flash sideways. <sighs> Who knows? And it all, fortunately for our proceedings this evening, all takes place on a train. Uh, but it's all good fun, and it was, a, as I say, a box office hit. Chris Bacon scored the picture, and this is the main title music.
source code main titles by Chris Bacon. That's Chris Bacon, not Crisp Bacon, which I also like. And I'm sure he's never, ever heard a joke about his surname in his life. Do you think he's listening to Upfield FM? Do you think Chris Bacon's listening? I can't imagine he is. But it might get back to him, so I'll be careful. Some classic old-school Henry Mancini now in our next trip along the tracks. The engaging comedy Silver Streak in 1976 was the first pairing of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, who would team up for a raft. If a raft is three, I don't know what a a trilogy. Well, it wasn't a trilogy. They were all different films. They made three films together anyway after this one. So that's four. Oh, I don't know. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, first pairing of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Uh, 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 and they made three films, uh, three more films together in the 1980s and early 90s. And, you know, the 14-year-old me loved it. I thought it was great fun. I even read the novelization. Do you remember novelizations? Is it even still a thing, a novelization? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? That's when there was no book. So um, a writer, probably a bit of a hack writer, that's a bit unfair, but there you go, uh, was hired to make a novel out of the screenplay. I read hundreds of them when I was about 14, between the ages of 12 and 15. Novelizations of Jaws and Close Encounters and all that stuff. Every every big film had a novelization. Um, I don't, I haven't seen one. Not in a long time, anyway. Uh, the film also starred Jill Claybra, and it had this huge finish, I remember, a thrilling end as the uh, train crashed through the walls of Chicago's Union Station. Uh, tremendous fun. Now, the music by the great Henry Mancini is possibly a bit on the nose. Uh, it's the most trainy sounding thing I think we've got in our train-based theme this evening. But anyway, it still sounds great.
Silver Streak by Henry Mancini. Uh, we'll go into the break with Marco Beltrami's score for Snowpiercer, directed by the great uh, Korean director Bong Joon-ho, who, of course, uh, went on to direct the multi-award winning Parasite. And this is a film, again, set on a train entirely. In fact, it's a train in the future where it's the only thing left. Humanity has destroyed the Earth and so everybody's on a train going round and round and round in circles. And of course, the poor people are at the back, the rich people are at the front. And the metaphors abound. But the score is very nice um, by Marco. And this is the rather lovely Yona's theme.
people to mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Ah, everybody was juice. You can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with a study roll. They mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Mess Around by Ray Charles, as used in John Hughes' classic comedy from 1987, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, uh, used in the scene where Steve Martin's sleeping and John Candy gets his coat caught in the chair and he's playing the keyboard on the dashboard and it uh, it's a very funny scene in a very funny film. You're listening to Kevin Markwick on Upfield FM. It's Monday night and this evening's theme is Trains. You'd be surprised to learn if you've been listening since the beginning because it's all been train-based entertainment. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Do let me know uh, on Twitter at Kevin Markwick or on the Facebook page. It really would be good to hear from you, to be honest. be good to hear from anyone, to be honest. <laughs> um, if you've got any ideas for themes coming up, that might be nice or anything, you know, uh, anything. Any, uh, Ferris Builder, isn't it? Anyone, anyone, anyone. Uh, anyway, uh, the a hugely successful Back to the Future trilogy remains one of the great achievements of mainstream cinema. And fortunately for us, the third film in the trilogy features a rather splendid train. The Iron Horse has to push the time machine car fast enough to send Marty back to the future. And as usual, the music is supplied by Alan Silvestri.
great stuff. Uh, part of Alan Silvestri's score for Back to the Future Part 3. The bit where they're pushing the train along and hoping it'll get up to speed. Uh, and the uh, horses and the trains and the cars and the, well, like planes, trains and automobiles, really. Uh, now, The Girl on the Train was a big box office hit based on a hugely popular book by Paula Hawkins. Billed as a mystery thriller, uh, in truth it's more of a melodrama really. Uh, the plot's so silly, you just have to kind of relax and let it happen. Emily Blunt is very good, as she always is, playing the drunk who aimlessly rides a train all day and witnesses all sorts of shenanigans and nefarious goings-on from the window, including what looks like murder. <laughs> when they get together, it was murder. Uh, our old friend, who we've already had at one point this evening, uh, the prolific Danny Elfman, is back for the music. You know, we could easily do a show just of Danny Elfman music. You know, uh, he started in, what, 1986 with Pee-wee's Big Adventure and he did Beetlejuice and then did Scissorhands and Men in Black, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, tons and tons and tons. He's incredibly prolific. Uh, and if we're being brutally honest, his score for The Girl on the Train is probably one of the best things about it. Danny Elfman's music for The Girl on the Train. Uh, now, that's it. It's over already. I can't believe it. Uh, another whole hour has gone by. It's been great having you. I hope you've enjoyed it. Do let us know. Um, 
And I will leave you with one of my favourite film composers and certainly one of the best train-based scores. Murder on the Orient Express was directed by Sidney Lumet in 1974 and featured a massive cast of stars, including Albert Finney as Belgian super sleuth Hercule Poirot, probably the best Poirot, and certainly streets ahead of the Look at Me one-note performance by Kenneth Branagh in the deadly dull 2017 version of the story. Anyway, the score is by the great Richard Rodney Bennett and is an absolute delight, and I will see you next week. Bye!